Hey guys, this is Kyle. Unfortunately, Steve's out sick today, so I'll be taking on the reins of Player One. Uh, you are listening to the Arcade Brothers, recorded at the Socially Awkward Studios, part of the Four-Eyed Radio Network, The Burn. You might have heard Steve there in the beginning. That's actually our intro music that uh, I made, and hopefully we can get someone else to make better music. But uh, we just I leave him on at the end because it helps us cue us when we want to start talking. And uh, Unfortunately, Steve's out sick today, so I'm going to take the reins of Player One, and I'll be leading this podcast uh, solo style, Han solo style. So I shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, arcade uh, Bros uh, is based on arcades, and a lot of people don't know what an arcade is, especially nowadays. A lot of people just know what consoles are, and maybe have seen an arcade or visited one, but they've a lot of people now of age don't know what it was like to go to an arcade. And arcades actually have a really interesting history, and I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the history of arcades very briefly, and not not the whole extent of it, because it goes on uh, around the 70s and 80s and 90s is when it really got crazy. I mean, it went from like a golden age to basically failing in this country, um, and we'll touch base on that later on in the podcast. But for now, we're going to go ahead and just talk briefly about the history of the arcades industry. What's really interesting is that the arcade that we know today was actually developed back in like the 1930s. Actually, 1931, uh, there was a game called Baffle Ball that was created by a guy named David Gottlieb. Uh, he was considered uh, to be an innovator of what was called at the time like amusement arcades. They were coin-operated devices that would allow for short-term enjoyment. So anything from like a gumball machine, a jukebox, uh, pinball machines, slots, things like that. And later, his company, uh, ABT Manufacturing, as uh, what he founded in 1931, would eventually also build video game cabinets. What was interesting is around this time, you know, 1930s, 1920s, is when they started doing the prohibition. They started outlawing gambling and drinking. And one of the guys who's uh, prone to to being a real big advocate of this was a mayor. Uh, I want to say his name was Fiorelli Lagardia. He was a, a New York City mayor back in uh, the 40s and early. Uh, Early on in, in the January of that year, he banned uh, pinball machines all throughout the city, and he ordered seizures of about a thousand of the machines. And uh, he ended up uh, remaining that ended up remaining in effect all the way until about 1976, and that's when uh, a lot of those bans finally got lifted because they were switching out from a coin reward to just more of a, like a point system or like a high score. And that's something that uh, arcades are known for is like always getting the high score and you put their, your three initials, usually it's the ass or, you know, those are usually the KKK or AAA, those are usually the, the most common. But uh, pinballs were actually the first to develop uh, the flippers, which were the side buttons. Um, they were actually the first to uh, introduce the button. You know, that never existed before the pinball came out. You know, usually there was a lever and they... Uh, pull that for the slot machines and things but it was never a button that you had to push so they get credited for producing the, the flippers and they get uh the player one and player two because what was neat is one person could be on one side of the machine another person could be on the other so you had player one and player two they also got credited for creating the first digital scoring and then even uh, using the first solid state electronics to monitor the games and high scores and bonuses and things like that and 
uh, it was pretty neat how they, you know, such a small device, which was very popular and still kind of is. A lot of there's a lot of cold following on pinballs has grown and made the industry something more. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Nolan Bushnell. He was in Clearfield, uh, Utah. He was born there and, and went to school out there. He was a lapsed Mormon, and in 1968 he graduated with a degree in electrical engineering. Uh, he had tried to, I guess, get a job with Disney doing like the animatronics and stuff, and they had unfortunately said no. It wasn't really none wanted that time. So what ended up happening was him and a couple of, of his friends ended up working at an arcade. And um, they ended up working both on video games and using the technology at the time, going to school for you know the engineering. And then they also started building their own in the arcades. And he was actually quoted as saying that I knew what an arcade game cost. I knew how much it had to earn. And I really understood the economics of a coin-operated game business. Um, he thought that it was uh, perhaps the only person... He felt that he was the only person that had those two experiences, which allowed him to synthesize it. Uh, since he knew how to make games, and he also knew what a game had to make to be successful, he was a, he was a good runner for that. Uh, him and a couple of his friends actually made a game uh, right before the golden age of arcades. They made a game called Computer Space, and it was horrible. Like it was one of like the worst games people could play at that time until the games actually got popular and then it actually became known as another name. I believe it was either Space Invaders or it was Asteroids or uh, one of those kind of games. So, uh, Computer Space was the game that he first developed and it wasn't very successful. And eventually him and a couple other friends, uh, a gentleman by the name of Alcorn, Dabney and himself, Bushnell, uh, they turned a little game that came out uh, by a company called Atari um, called Ping Pong. And it was a game that they could re-release and bought for very inexpensive uh, cabinets and things like that that you could distribute in your um, arcade. And he was able to modify it and change it and actually make it a lot more enjoyable, where it actually would get harder and harder and harder as the point system went on. Um, and you could, and it was two players, so you could play with your friends and and dump a whole bunch of quarters into it. Uh, I believe he said after the game came out, he was able to make about forty dollars a day per unit. And by the end of 1974, he had sold over 4,000 of those games to other arcades and various other people. Uh, and that game went from becoming, uh, being called Ping Pong to just simply Pong. Uh, and the reason that a lot of people call it the Golden Age was that you got a lot of uh, titles that you could play. Um, you got a lot of uh, great titles during that time. You know, Space Invaders in 1978. You had Asteroids in 1979. Galaxian, which was 1979, and then another game, uh, Missile Command, which is fairly popular and fairly not a lot of people know about it, and that came out around the 1980s. Uh, more of the games that people remember from the Golden Age was like games like Pac-Man, Rally X, and of course Donkey Kong. Those were some of the best games that came out during the Golden Age. So I think we're gonna we'll take a break about history for a while since uh, we just want to kind of dab into it and let you guys chew on some of that tidbits of information and after this uh, quick commercial break with some music by a gentleman by Yoshino Aoki uh, he's a composer of video games and has been for some time uh, please enjoy and we'll be right back after the song
right, and we're back. And thanks very much for sticking around with us. Uh, that was a song by a gentleman by Yoshino Aoki. He's a, I'm probably butchering his name because I don't speak Chinese or Japanese or Korean or anything. Uh, but he was actually really, he's a very famous composer, and he was born about 1971. He's worked on a lot of titles such as like Pocket Fighter. He did a lot of the Mega Man Battle Network music. And you most probably know him from like the Breath of Fire 3 and Breath of Fire 4 series. Uh, that last song was a Breath of Fire 4 series. That was actually the opening uh, music for it. I'm a big fan of a lot of his work, and I'm, and I'm a big fan of the Breath of Fire series. I actually never was when the game first came out. Uh, my brother, Steve, he was the one who actually played Breath of Fire 3 quite a bit. And I always thought it looked kind of cool. You know, it was uh, kind of like an RPG, but a little different top-down view. You got to see all the characters and see the monsters on the screen, and the fighting system was pretty neat. And uh, it wasn't until Breath of Fire 4 that I really got an appreciation for not only the art of it, but also the uh, game itself. I thought it was really cool. Um, if you want right now, a new topic we're going to talk about is about quarters versus the 100 yen. Um, it's something that actually I read about uh, in Kotaku a, lot of, a little bit ago about the U.S. economy and why the arcade units have not done so well in the um, states. But in Japan, they seem to have come back. You know, during the 1980s, the it kind of seemed to be like the dark age of uh, video games because a lot of the consoles came out, and that really kind of butchered the arcade world because a lot of people felt, well, why would I go to the arcade when I can just go to my friend's house and play it, or my parents, and they had them, and that's around the time that the Master System came out, the Nintendo came out, and also the Atari at that time. And the Atari was actually the first uh, arcade system. It really did have like the joystick and the button and really had a lot of the titles that you found in the arcade on the on the console you know so it really really did a number on it uh, and also it was very inexpensive at the time i think at that time it was like two hundred dollars which back then was you know i think a lot but i think today's standards still not as much as a lot of people think when it comes to like a console or a handheld system um what i was reading about was that the yen in japan the arcades actually has started standardizing a new coin, which is the 100 yen. Uh, instead of them using what they traditionally used was the 50 yen. The 50 yen's kind of gone out of style because now a lot of people use 50s. A lot of people like the whole numbers, like it's 1,000 yen or 2,000 yen. or you know They don't really do the 20, 50 yen anymore or the 20, 20, 20, 10 yen. You know, they like the whole number, the 20, you know, 2,000, 1,000. They like the big numbers. And what ended up happening was the Japanese... Uh, arcades out there started using just the, the the hundred yen, which is basically like a dollar. It's like a dollar coin, and they tried that out here in America. You know, the Sacagawea coin. They tried that a while because that's what they wanted. They wanted people to put in a dollar into an arcade instead of a quarter. Where in Japan, you know, the the hundred yen is actually looks a lot like the quarter. It's the same color. It's the same uh, weight, and they ended up using the 100 yen more and it seems to have really re revitalized the declining arcade market um in japan but it seems to have killed the market in america you know a lot of the people in america don't really see you know the growing need for putting a dollar into something especially now when you have a phone that has apps and things that you can spend a dollar on very easily on over the phone without having to you know lift a finger go somewhere and, and put change in i know i took a trip over to uh, seas um, by, by right before I went to college for video game art and design, and they had a, uh, uh, a a way, a funny way over there too. And they had like the pound system in a lot of countries over there, and it's, it was weird because in your pocket, like you would, someone would be like, "Oh, you have a dollar," and you'd reach in and like you would, you would have a quarter, basically like a quarter-sized coin that was uh, had a certain weight to it, and that was your, you know, that was your pound, that was your 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 money. 
and it was very easy to spend it. <laughs> I remember quite a bit of times where you realize how having a coin in your pocket was a lot easier to spend than it was if you had a bill or had to figure it out, you know, counting out bills and things. You, you weren't as willing to spend if it was a bill. You were more willing to spend if it was a, a coin. And it was interesting because I remember having both at one time, having both the pound dollar, which is very uncommon because a lot of people use the pound coin, and then also using the coin all everywhere and finding it a... Uh, a lot more easier to get by on a coin. Your pockets had a nice little jingle to them, and uh, you just seem to be more accepting in a lot of places. You know, you come in, you put a couple point uh, coins down, and you have a pint of beer, and you know, you put bills down more for when you're buying something more like a, you know, a relic or something. So I always thought it was pretty neat how a lot more countries are going, have gone that way, and now we're playing catch up to everybody else, and it really didn't work out too well. Uh, but they were also talking about that too with a lot of technology, uh, like toll booths and you know any other place that you would use coins laundromats things like that you now can start using your credit cards or debit cards and even some places your phone you just type your phone to something and you know type in your card on there and it does it for you so you can use their services without having to use any coins really um it's starting to go that way i know a lot of places phone you know they got rid of telephones a lot of places don't have pay phones anymore because you know cell phones are so inexpensive so it was really neat to see that with technology, like in our realm of things, things have actually degressed to the point where it's harder to kind of maintain uh, an arcade system just based on coins. You definitely have to use, you know, the the, the card operated or the debit card operated or gift cards and things like that you have to use as opposed to coins. And it seems pretty big still over in Japan that they're still, you know, using that value of putting a coin in a machine. And uh, there's just something about it, you know, there's just something about Going up to a game, putting a couple quarters in it, hitting the start button, and then just having some fun. You know, it's something about it. I know a lot of the things that people were talking about during the decline of the arcades was during uh, the 1980s when the, the, the arcades were declining. Uh, they were trying to revitalize it by putting things like the fighting games in and thinking like this, the Capcom, you know, versus Marvel SNK. Like those kind of games would have really kind of like boosted the you know, the game industry figured, oh, me and my friend could fight in the in the game, and at, for a while, they seemed to do fairly well, you know, it, seemed, it wasn't actually until, like, the 1990s that the fighter games really picked up, that was, like, the Mortal Kombat, the Street Fighters, those kind of games really kind of came back, and I think what it was is kids back then remembered playing those kind of games, and as they grew up, they wanted to play, like, a, a much more uh, intense or much more fun style of playing with different martial styles and things like that. So it was neat to see that they tried to develop games, specifically genre-based games, to try and uh, get people back into play, and it just didn't seem to work out. Uh, well, we're going to take one more break before we end, uh, end the show with our question of the week and close this out tonight. And it's going to be a short show today since, like I said, Steve's not feeling well, and I've had one too many, I think, already. So you're going to be listening to uh, The Black Mages. This is a song off of their, I believe, their second album, uh, and it's basically, uh, if you don't know who the Black Mages are, uh, they're th based a lot of their video game uh, uh, music, I should say. They base a lot of their music on video games, specifically like the Final Fantasies and like any Sony products. So this is going to be one of their songs from their album. So here's a listen, and we'll be right back.
for hanging out with us again. This is Kyle at the Arcade Brothers on the Social Awkward Studios, uh, part of the Fern Network. Uh, Steve's still out. I trust <laughs> he still is. He's just he's done here. So I'm finishing up the show tonight. We're on our, to our final topic of the night, which is basically our question of the week. Now, we had some issues with this last week where we kind of were asking people what they thought about um, certain titles, certain games, if you could build an arcade, things like that. And we weren't really getting a lot of response. Well, last year we asked you guys, uh, all 280 of you, for listening. Thank you very much for doing so. Uh, to ask, uh, We asked about the thoughts on the PS4 because I got announced. Uh, just this last week or so, you know, they first called it, uh, you know, the Orbis, uh, Oribis, or an Orbis. Uh, I know with the famous Dolphin and the Revolution, which was Nintendo's before they changed it to the Wii and the Wii U. Uh, so we asked it out, and we asked a lot of people what their thoughts were on the PS4. And I know the hashtag uh, PS4 really was popular on Twitter for a couple days after and during the uh, event. So we actually got a lot of feedback from it. Uh, our father actually appeared on the for um, the show this last weekend, uh, Friday's show of the Socially Awkward Studios, uh, Senior Esteban, or at so, S-O-O dash, yeah, uh, he asked us that he was waiting for the PS4 with Siri. So that, that would actually be a pretty neat uh, feature. If you could tell it, like, uh, Siri, please kill that guy using Kratos. And it would be like, of course, and then would attack the character. That would be pretty neat. Uh, Nathan Bell, uh, at Melod Melodic Misery, uh, said that he was still pretty stoked about the PS4. It all comes down to waiting uh, waiting on games at this point, you know, which we agree, you know, kind of feel it's still too early until we actually get to see some of the titles coming out at release. Uh, there was Brett PLS, or the Brett guy. He commented on the new PS4. Controls will be available. Will the, will the controls be available to withstand a raging gamer that throws them at the wall? And he ended that with an important question, which is true. Yeah, will they be, uh, you know, will they be able to finally be made completely out of rubber, and uh, be able to be withstand dog attacks and also throwing it from your, you know, roommate or brother? Uh, and then of course Danny Lung or Danny Milk Three uh, said, "All right, Xbox, I won't get you anyway, but beat this." The PS Store also announced that they would be able to play the used games, which I know that a lot of people were. Upset to hear that the 360 or the 720 or whatever they haven't called the new the Xbox might not be able to be kept backwards compatible, which might do a lot more harm than good because you know they they're partnered with companies like GameStop and Best Buy selling used games and to me I just don't get it you know used games are what are kind of the bread or butter of games especially me like I'm the kind of gamer that doesn't go right out and buy it right away I'll wait you know a year two years for the game to come down not only in price but also be available. I can't believe how many times you've gone to go pick up one of those new titles and they're out of stock or they're sold out or it's so popular you can't get it or, you know, when you see a used copy, they still want, you know, almost 50 bucks for it. So I tend to wait because a lot of times it seems to make more sense, especially with the Fallout series. I learned the hard way the first time where I bought the Fallout 3, played it, loved it, and I paid full price for all the downloadable content. And it was great content, but, you know, had I waited for six, eight more months, they came out the game of the year. They came out with all the patches, so you didn't have to worry about, you know, downloading and spending all that extra money. You just paid like 30 bucks as opposed to 60, and you got them all. So I think if you're a gamer and you're patient, it actually works out better for you to wait. And I hope, you know, they really do not go that route with having to keep things, you know, on that market. I know one of the problems I had recently was I was playing the Diablo 3 tra uh, uh, demo again and we were having internet problems and then like the game just kept bugging out and I thought you know this is horrible like why can't I just play it on my uh, 
you know, on my laptop without any issue. And it's just the way of the game now. You know, people's pirating games and stealing games, and they just ruin it for the rest of us who just want to play a game and not have to worry about, you know, things not working. So, uh, on another note, though, our Git uh, gaming question for next week, which Steve hopefully will be back for episode number 21, is what was your best gamer moment? You know, was it a headshot? Was it a bug you found in a game that allowed you to not get hurt or not get hit by an enemy? Um, was it a, a storyline in a game, you know, like when you finally defeated Sephiroth, or was it finally when you, you know, saved the princess in the, in the eighth castle? You know, what was it for you it was one of your best gamer moments? I know one of my favorite moments was playing with Steve. We were doing a uh, a run in Halo, and I think it was Halo 3, and he was in the back uh, doing his thing, and I was in the, uh, the driving the car, and next thing I knew, we had a... Uh, we hit. I was flooring it or something. We hit a rock and literally we spun in the midair and we both just were like, "What?" You know, and we were just spinning like in midair. We landed. We like ended up hitting an enemy, and we landed. But we were laughing so hard the rest of the match because it was literally like that's where I wish like we had the PS4 controller to hit record because we literally did a full like 360 spin uh, horizontally <laughs> because we were just going so fast and it just made me laugh the whole time and I was just we, every time we play it now I'm always like what? you know when we're in the you know, war dog so well I'm going to go ahead and close out tonight's show uh, you know Steve hopefully will be backing up to 100% when he's uh, here next week I know you missed out on a lot of impressions and we had a lot of fun doing Hagger Cop last time so you know it would be good to have him back so uh, thank you guys for listening uh, again my name is Kyle I'm player 2 normally but tonight I was player 1 uh, my gamer tag is BrokenRovo, R0B0 on the 360 and also on the PlayStation Network. Uh, feel free to game with me, uh, add me as a friend. I'll be more than happy to play with you and hopefully talk some more trash or talk some more game. Uh, we'll have hopefully Steve back to renounce our, uh, we decided on a game for our game night. And we think it's a really good game. Like We think a lot of people are would be up for it once we uh, announce it. So we'll let you guys know about that and where we'll be and... You know, we'll get you all the details as soon as uh, Steve's back so we can announce it. And uh, I think we'll close out the show, not with our traditional music, but I think I'm going to allow a good uh, uh, gentleman who's a funny artist, I like his work a lot, where he's taken music and put lyrics to them. We're going to go ahead and end the, cl- end the note on uh, a show with uh, Brental Floss. So go ahead and take it away, Brental Floss, and thank you all very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Banana. What do you mean? Well, like, the deal is when you get a game over in most games, the music's, like, sad and almost like, hey, sorry you lost, better luck next time. But the Mega Man 3 game over music is all happy, like, like it's just being such a spiteful dick. was fun but now you're done you're out of luck because you suck you're not quite as good as everyone else who plays it don't continue just give in you silly boob you fucking noob just turn off the power and cry yourself to sleep you pussy you will never get ahead you might be better off is dead and nobody in the whole world would ever miss
Cause you everybody's talking smack Insulting you behind your back About how you're such a pathetic excuse for life So grab a knife, take a stab You handicapped vagina scab You honestly make me sick And I want to kick you How'd you even learn to walk Your wrinkly little poodle cock If I were your mother I'd drown your ass in boiling water You're a sack of putrid shit Dig a hole, jump in it You really don't deserve To be lived alive So hold your breath until you're blue Fuck your mom and sister too Your family and friends Will all die because of what you've done Today Game over. <laughs> <laughs> that was good.